Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing fine, man. This is uh, it's a beautiful day. I don't know about where you're at, but uh, it's crisp. I'll use that word because I'm trying not to be negative. It's just crisp. We have a beautiful fall day here as we're recording this here in, in suburban central Ohio. All right. Well, that, that sounds better than where I'm at right now because crisp is not a good word, Greg. Well, <laughs> right now. It is when you're talking about apples, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah but I, yeah. I do love a good honey crisp apple. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're not here to talk about Honeycrisp apples. We're here to talk about annuities, right? And this is part of your Back to Basics series that we're doing. And you know what, uh, Eric? There are almost as many different kinds of annuities as there are apples. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm sure there are some sour ones like Granny Smith. There, you know, there's some sour annuities. <laughs> there's some <laughs> sweet annuities. Um, and I'll be just, let's be very honest and open up front. I, I don't know a lot about annuities. I know the basics of what an annuity is. And the problem is I'm of the generation that I've heard very bad things about very bad sales of annuities uh, back in the 90s and such. And, and people, you know, it was just something that people wanted to sell to everybody. Uh, but I've heard that in the last 10 to 15 years, they have gotten much better. And there are a lot of, lot of them that can be used really, really well. But I'm here to learn from you. I mean, that's obviously what this podcast is for. Straighten me out on this, would you? So we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the downright ugly of annuities here today. Uh, <laughs> that's my best uh, one. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Again, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right there with you, brother, but All I right. can't whistle. So <laughs> oh, Okay, well, there you go. There you go. So yeah, so uh, we, we're going to take a little bit of a journey into that, but uh, we're going to take it bite-sized morsels because I can't think of anything that'd be less exciting for the listener than for me to go <laughs> on about the math behind annuities and the history of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to try to provide uh, that level of information that people absolutely do need to know when considering this as part of their overall retirement portfolio. Okay, I'm going to start you off with the hardest question. Who should be getting an annuity? Only those people that have any fear uh, that they're going to outlive their money, mm-hmm. or only those people that don't like the fact that their money in the market is at risk, or only those people that like the idea of having a regular income for as long as they may need it. So <laughs> that doesn't clear anything up. That's a lot of people, man. Um, it's it's more how many people shouldn't consider it, right? And okay. There are very, they're very few people uh, that have the luxury that they should not give this tool very significant consideration as part of their overall retirement portfolio. All right. Well, let me change the question then. What age should somebody be looking at to purchase an annuity? Well, that's another way of asking who I can't give it to. I <laughs> don't believe it. 
So let me let me answer it this way. Okay. Um, again, uh, like I said in our opening comments, there are literally well, there are more different more kinds of annuities than there are apples. But if we just limit it to there as many uh, varieties of annuities as there are of apples, then it's arguable that there is an annuity or an apple that's available and appropriate for anybody at any point in their life. It's hmm. just a matter of knowing what those apples are and how they fit into your picture. Okay. I, I've heard of variable annuities and I've heard of well, what I would term regular annuities. I, I don't know the difference between the different types. Are So I know you said there's a, as many as there are apples basically. But are there categories of annuities, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, so let's, we'll talk about the primary categories of annuities. Uh, you know, to start with, uh, I said I wasn't going to give a history lesson, but, you know, annuities basically go back to the era of the Roman legionnaires. Uh, and, uh, and it was the guaranteed payment from the provider of the annuity to the recipient. Okay. Uh, and so... That manifested itself in in the form of the pension that was the backbone of retirement mm-hmm. up until okay. the 401k was foisted upon us, where you saved your money with your your pension plan, theoretically, and they provided then an annuity, a regular payment, called as your pension payment, uh, for the rest of your life. So that's one type of annuity where you are receiving a outright payment for a period of time, whether it is a defined period of time or it is a uh, lifetime. And that's what we call an, an income annuity. Okay. And, and then you move from that to you know the annuity that is in an accumulation phase or an accumulation annuity. And that's where you have the, the broad categories of the variable annuity that you spoke of the fixed annuity, and the fixed indexed annuities. Mm. And all of them have different um, you know, pros and cons for people to consider. All right. Well, real, real quick before we move on, you did mention 401ks, and so I do want to mention to the audience that the first of this Back to Basics series was about 401ks. That was actually the last episode that Greg recorded. Um, so if you want to learn more about 401ks, Greg's thought on that, really the timeline of 401ks and what's best at different timelines, please go back and listen to that podcast. Um, So let's talk about the pros and cons of annuities. You you mentioned that just a moment ago. I I would say that you mentioned that if somebody's concerned about running out of money, uh, that that this might be a good idea. Or if somebody's concerned about, you know, what the markets do and they want, you know, more security, that this may be a good option. But obviously, there's pros and cons to the different types and getting them at different ages. So I'm opening a big can of worms here. Pros and cons. <laughs> Hit it, Greg. Well, I did uh, promise I'd talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. So there is probably no other product uh, in the financial industrial complex that is as vilified as the quote-unquote annuity. Uh, and, you know, there's... Uh, people making millions of dollars hating on annuities. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is no such thing as a good or a bad annuity. Um, There are good and bad applications. Uh, There are uh, ones that are maybe more effective and more appropriate than others. But in and of itself, the 
the tool, the instrument is, is not good or bad. So let's talk about some of the criticisms that are out there and how this applies. So as I said, they're basically the three major categories of annuity. Uh, there is the variable annuity, there is the fixed annuity, and there is the indexed annuity. And let's talk about what those things are and kind of the pros and cons of each of them. All right. So with regard to the variable annuity, um, the one thing that people criticize that particular vehicle for, and, and I'm a critic of it as well. I don't use them. I'm not licensed to do it, and that's by choice. But a variable annuity gives the saver the opportunity to have their money that is in that annuity grow based upon the performance of a set of mutual funds. Okay. okay. So, so its promise is that your balance in there can grow similarly to the performance in the market. Legitimate criticism of that is because of the structure of that particular uh, instrument, uh, there is a layering of cost in it. So it's hard to get similar returns to what you would get if you had the money in the market. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now there's, there's, there's a benefit to that if that's used appropriately. And the benefit to that is it typically is built with what's called an income rider, which means that uh, you've got some protection in place. And if you turn that on later on in life, after it's done, it's accumulation for you and you use its income uh, abilities, then you have some benefit there. So the, the instrument itself is not uh, good or bad. Uh, people just don't understand it a lot. Uh, and uh, I think that's a criticism that is warranted as to the way that the person has sold it uh, to the consumer. So before I go on to the other two, Eric, do you have any uh, questions about uh, variable annuities and what they are and how they work? No, what it sounds like to me, and this is just how my brain works, Greg, is that annuities are a vehicle, right? They're a vehicle to uh, means to get to an end of some kind. And I always will go right back to my, my basic core, which is vehicles uh, like cars and trucks. But if somebody's shopping and you have a list of things that you need, you need to be able to haul stuff. You need to be able to fit quite a few people with you because you've got a lot of friends or family. And, uh, you know, you need something that's rugged because you, you know, live on a dirt road and you have a nice cabin someplace or whatever. And you go to check out vehicles and some slick salesman convinces you to buy a Porsche. Then it's not that the Porsche is bad. It's that the salesman didn't get you what you truly needed. Right. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me with all these different annuities. It's all about the salesman. It's all about knowing what fits your specific situation, what your needs are, and somebody who's going to sit down and talk to you about that and really figure that out. Because I've heard a lot about variable annuities as well. I like your take as far as you don't use them <laughs> because of what I know of them. But is that basically what we're saying here is it's a vehicle and you just need the right one that's going to fit you and your family? Yeah, yeah. And you need to be working with somebody that is the fiduciary uh, word that's thrown around a lot in the industry, but uh, somebody that is going to give you the full information on that product and how it's going to work uh, and how it fits into your picture. Got it. Yep. All right. So I don't have any more questions about variable. I'm ready to move on. Let's learn All more. Right. So, so we'll go and we'll talk about a fixed annuity. Okay. okay. 
Um, and a fixed annuity is an annuity that is going to pay a guaranteed rate of interest. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and in the current low interest rate environment, that becomes a good option for many savers that would otherwise be looking at a CD. So it's going to pay a similar rate of interest as a CD, maybe a little higher, uh, but you're going to lock up your money for a period of time, just like you with a CD. Okay. Uh, but instead of it being with a bank, it's with an insurance company, right? That's that's the nature of annuities. They're issued by insurance companies. So that's probably the simplest uh, of the annuities is that in that fixed annuity that. I'm going to give the insurance company $100,000 for three years, and they're going to pay me 2.5% interest on that. And at the end of the three years, my money is free to go wherever I want to go with it. Got it. And and I actually heard something uh, about annuities, and I'd love for you to confirm it. Since annuities are through an insurance company, they are guaranteed, correct? That is correct. Because insurance companies are held to a different standard than banks are. They actually have to have more money in a vault, quote unquote, uh, to cover all the annuities and cover the insurance issues, where a bank does not have to even have a hundred percent of what money they are, quote unquote, holding. Correct? Yeah, the the banks operate on the fractional reserve system, where just a, a fraction of what's uh, been deposited is held there, uh, and it's all, and that's where we have to have the FDIC insurance and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, the insurance companies, they have to stand behind their product and show that they've got the asset base to, to fulfill their commitments uh, with the banks. Uh, they've got the, the government behind them with that guarantee. And the, and the guarantee is only, I think, two hundred or 250000 you know, compared to the insurance that's it's unlimited because they have to have the money on hand for, for what they've guaranteed. Yeah, yeah absolutely correct. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. See, I'd, that sounds pretty good. That sounds a little bit safer than, you know, trying to put money with a bank that's over that FDIC limit and uh, possibly losing something there. Um, I hate to, you know, not trying to be gloom and doom, but um, I like the word guaranteed when it comes to annuities. It's a comforting word, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what the, what's the third one? So we're now talking about the fixed indexed annuity. Uh, and the fixed index annuity is the modern evolution of the annuity for somebody that is in the accumulation phase. Okay. Uh, and what that does is it, it gives you some of the potential benefit that you're trying to get with the variable annuity. Uh, meaning you get the potential that the index credit for the annuity over time Will be um, higher than it would be with the uh, index or with the, with the fixed annuity. Uh, it can typically have uh, growth rates of around. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen indexes that in, in given years will post you know fourteen percent and wow. you know, and higher. Uh, but those are kind of outliers. You know, if you talk to the people that designed the products, they say that you know they designed these that over the lifetime of the contract. Uh, you should g- expect between five and a half and six and a half percent rate of return over that period of time, uh, and that's what makes the in, the index annuity a very uh, effective savings tool for a person. Mm-hmm. You know, just if we think back to you know what's commonly called the lost decade between two thousand and two thousand and ten, you know, if you had money that was in the S and P five hundred during that decade. Uh, depending upon when the guy that you're talking to cherry picks the beginning and ending dates on that, 
uh, the performance of the S&P 500 for that decade was either slightly negative, flat, or slightly positive. And if you look at that same type of a, of a period of time when using an indexed annuity, uh, you would have had that money grow at about 5.5%. All right. And, and the reason why the index annuity works that way is that what you're basically doing is giving the money to the insurance company, just like you talked about with the fixed annuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of having a predetermined level of interest, the insurance company says, thank you for your money. Now, what we're going to do in return for that is call it every year. Uh, we're going to give you interest based upon what's happened in this underlying index. So if it was an S&P 500 index uh, and it went up 10%, uh, if you had a fully participating uh, index annuity, then you'd get that 10%. Hmm. Uh, And if the S&P 500 dropped 10%, the deal the insurance company makes with you is, if between that year and the next year the index went down, uh, you're not going to lose your value. You're just not going to get any more value for that year. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then the next year, if the index goes back up, then you'll get that index credit. And so that, that ability to not participate in the losses of the index is what gives us the ability to have a guaranteed growth vehicle. You know if you put $100,000 into that, uh, into one that doesn't have any riders and those kind of things that may drain that balance, uh, you're going to end up, that $100,000 is going to stay there and only grow but not go backwards. Gotcha. Okay. Greg, I appreciate the the overview. Obviously, these are snapshots. And I know at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask you for your contact information again or to give that to the audience, of course. Uh, but one of the questions that we have not asked, or I have not asked, uh, and I'm, I'm really actually foggy on this, is how much does it cost to get into an annuity? I mean, is it something that you can make payments into, or is it just you have to have one lump sum that you have to give over? So technically, it doesn't cost you anything to, to get into an annuity. Um, and most people that purchase an annuity uh, are using a lump sum amount. Uh, you can you can you know, do a few thousand dollars or a few million dollars even. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know when people rail on about what's bad about annuities, one of the things that they uh, will push is that the person that sells sells it to you gets a commission. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true that the insurance company pays the seller a commission. Uh, for the purchase of that annuity. But if you put $100,000 into an annuity, that $100,000 will be credited to your account right away, as opposed to a commission like on a mutual fund, where if you're going to pay a 5.5% commission going in, your $100,000 is going to be reduced by 5.5%. Hmm. Okay. So from that perspective, there is no cost associated with an annuity. Part of the, the, the legitimate criticism of an annuity is now if you change your mind and you want your money back out, then the insurance company is going to recoup that commission and their other expenses by charging you an exit fee. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, back to our initial comments, the instrument itself is not good or bad. It's just the application. You know, if you're going to put money into an annuity, 
you should be putting it there without the expectation that you're going to be taking it back out throughout that period of time where you're going to have an additional surrender charge to get your money back out. Okay. Is there a certain amount of time that that surrender charge applies to you or is it, is it just forever? Like, I mean, you, they expect you to take payments off of it. And if you try to take the entire lump sum out at once, then, then you're going to have charges. That's where we start having the orchard of apples. Ah, gotcha. Uh, because we have, you know, uh, the fixed annuity we talked about, a three-year fixed annuity. Well, if you take it out within those three years, you're going to have a penalty, right? Uh, but if you go into the indexed annuities or even the variable annuities, you'll have contracts of different durations. Uh, somewhere typically between five and 11 years are what I see most of the time. Uh, that throughout that five to 11 year uh, contract, if you do take your money back out voluntarily, then you're going to have a surrender charge um, starting typically, you know, if you take it out the first year at 9% and that's a sliding scale decreasing to zero in that last year of the contract. So, you know, I think it's important to understand though, uh, that that typically only applies if you've changed your mind you decide that you want to take your toys and go home. Mm -hmm. uh, those surrender charges do not apply typically if you have passed away. There, the, okay. the value will go to your beneficiary without that type of a charge. And most reputable contracts and reputable insurance companies also have a similar provision that says if you, you know, you've, got to go to a long-term care facility or otherwise need long-term care assistance and not able to make two of your six activities of daily living, uh, then they're not going to impose that surrender fee for you to have access to those funds. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the, the lifetime income piece of this. If you have, I know that the Everything's based on actuarial tables, I'm sure, uh, knowing insurance companies. So I'm assuming that you have a certain amount in your annuity that has grown over the years, and now you're going to start taking payments off of it. I, I know that a fear in the past was if you died uh, before you got your value out of the annuity, that the money's just gone. It's lost. Uh, but I think that's changed over the last few years, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe I am mistaken, but kind of walk me through how that income works and and what maybe a death benefit would be, or I don't know if you would even call it a death benefit. So Eric, as we started this conversation, I talked about, you know, the, the history of the annuity and how it, you know, was a payment over life and how mm -hmm. that evolved into the pension benefit uh, and the pension annuity. And that's where uh, this idea comes from. Uh, people uh, have the impression that uh, based upon that history, that, you know, if you died and you still had, you know, pension benefit, typically you wouldn't get that money. Uh, and uh, some annuities are also set up that way, uh, where if you uh, do not, you know, if you die before the money has been paid back to you, then you, you lose it. Mm -hmm. And there are very, very few reasons why you'd want to use one of those type of annuities when you have this orchard out there of yeah. different options. Uh, and so typically uh, getting it gets really complicated in how it works, but typically uh, when we have used any of these annuities that we've talked about, these accumulation-based annuities, uh, that we are now going to get income from. Uh, 
You know, that's a decision that is made at some point along the life of that annuity that says, I would like to have this stream of money forever. And uh, the insurance company says, great, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to pay you this amount for eternity, okay, as long as you live. Now, if you die uh, early and you haven't gotten back everything that you put in with the growth on that, then we're going to have some money left over to give to your beneficiary. If you live past the point where you've gotten all that back, less the, cheap, the fees and things, uh, and you still are receiving a paycheck from us, well, in that case, there's not going to be anything for the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. That okay, makes so, sense. So you've gotten back your money, uh, less your, the expenses of providing that coverage, and that insurance against you living longer than your base money li- uh, exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just not going to benefit that beneficiary at that point in time. Does yeah. that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Seems like a pretty decent deal. Yeah. You know, and, and so, again, it comes back to the instrument's not good or bad. It's how it's being used. You know, we didn't really talk about too much about, you know, okay, I've accumulated this fund through my 401k, whatever, and I'm ready to retire. Um, what do I do now? Because we talked about, you know, how do we use this to accumulate? So, you know, at that point in time, you know, if you can get an annuity that, that uh, is going to be a guaranteed income annuity, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of encapsulating everything, you know, with an annuity, again, it is a tool that we can use in many different ways, uh, depending upon what stage you are in your life cycle. All right. I'm, I'm, I've just thought of a question. So my father, he retired at 55 from Boeing and he was blessed to be able to do so, but obviously that's not 59 and a half. And uh, for anybody who's retiring early who has a 401k, is it possible to roll a 401k into an annuity? Yeah, yeah. So that 401k can be rolled into uh, an accumulation annuity if we still want to have it grow. So you mm-hmm. know, we talked before about people at the age of 59 and a half. Uh, this becomes a perfect tool for them to capture what they've saved so far, put it in, knowing that they're never going to lose money on that. They may not get as much growth, but as we talked about earlier, over time, it may not make that much of a difference. It may even be better for them. Um, but they know that they got the peace of mind that that's not going to go uh, down. So they can roll it into that uh, if they're still saving. If they're not still saving and they want to look at, okay, how do we get income off of this? Then they can roll it into an annuity that is going to start paying them either immediately or a shorter period of time. Uh, and use that to balance out against the risk of the rest of their money. So it's, it's important to understand that um, you know, many leading economic scholars are now looking at the role uh, that an annuity can play in a successful retirement. And one after another come to the conclusion that to have a successful and happy, secure retirement uh, e- either as an income component or as an accumulation component. Uh, it is almost essential to have an annuity as part of your retirement hmm. portfolio. Interesting. All right. Well, the apple orchard. Let's go back to that just for a moment. 
Greg, I, I told you I'm going to ask you for your contact information for those that are listening. If people want to really look at annuities, and, and obviously people, you know, I myself, I'm going to want a Red Delicious, you know, annuity or a Honeycrisp annuity, uh, you know, using the Apple reference. I'd really like to avoid the Crab Apple annuity, right? I don't. Is a Crab Apple even an apple? I just, I don't. So I have a. I, I don't know, but my dog thinks they're delicious. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. We don't either, but she goes after him every day. <laughs> like it's a little vending machine for her. Oh, there. Jeez. Well, there you go. Keeps her entertained. Uh, right. So when people want to choose the right annuity, uh, obviously they need to seek professional help. You are the professional. I appreciate the time that you spend on this podcast with me, educating me and the audience. How do people reach out to you? Eric, they can get a hold of me by going to our website, uh, www.dupontwealth.com. Uh, they can email me directly, uh, greg at dupontwealth.com, or they can reach me by phone at area code 614-408-0004. All right, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. And as a reminder to the audience, this is the Back to Basics series. Now, Greg is going to be sprinkling these in throughout uh, our time together. This is not going to be a running series where they're back to back. Just, just. Pay attention to the podcast when it starts. You'll know if it's back to basic. We're also going to be labeling them in the show notes. These are great podcasts to share with those family members that maybe they need to know the basics. You know, maybe they're just starting off their career or maybe they're at that that prime age where they need to be thinking about some shifts and moves in, in different investments that they've got. Uh, the Back to Basics series is uh, incredibly valuable. So please be sure to share these again. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.